Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast for the international affairs, foreign policy, and global development community, and world news aficionados of all stripes. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. Enjoy the show. On Sunday, May 23rd, a Belarusian fighter jet intercepted a civilian Ryanair flight and forced it to land in Minsk, Belarus. Authorities promptly arrested a dissident journalist on board named Raman Pertasevich and his girlfriend, Sofia Sapega, who is a Russian national. This incident was an audacious example of the lengths that the regime of Belarus President Alexander Lukashenko would go to silence opposition voices and dissidents. Lukashenko has been in power for over 27 years, and Belarus is often described as Europe's last dictatorship. In August 2020, his regime faced its most significant challenge in years when hundreds of thousands of people took to the streets to challenge the results of obviously fraudulent elections, which once again saw Lukashenko re-elected. My guest today, Sofia Orlowski, is Senior Program Manager for Europe and Eurasia at Freedom House. We kick off discussing why Lukashenko's regime would seek to capture Roman Protasevich in such a way. We then have a discussion about the policy options that the European Union and the United States are currently weighing in response. We then conclude with a conversation about what this incident says about Lukashenko's relationship with Vladimir Putin, who aspires to join Russia and Belarus in a formal political union. So obviously, the forced landing of this civilian airliner is both a horrible example of the lengths to which a regime would go to silence a dissident voice, and also, I think, a useful entry point to discuss ongoing repression within Belarus and the international community's evolving relationship with Lukashenko. And I think this conversation does a good job of introducing all of these topics. As always, if you have suggestions of people I should interview or topics I should cover, please do send me an email. You can do so using the contact button on globaldispatchespodcast.com or hit me up on Twitter at Mark L. Goldberg. Enjoy the episode. Now, here is my conversation with Sofia Orlowski of Freedom House. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. So, uh, Rahman was mostly known um, as a co-founder of this highly popular uh, Telegram channel and YouTube channel, uh, Nechta. And he's an independent journalist who has had a number of engagements. And most recently, he was managing the social media 
account, um, which roughly translates as Belarus of the brain. Mm -hmm. Um, And as you can imagine, all of these projects have been highly critical of um, the incumbent Alexander Lukashenko and his government. He was just this young kid who, uh, as a high schooler, I understand it, just sort of got involved in, in political activism. Right. And um, of course, not um, alone. And there are a lot of like-minded individuals who have been working with him on a number of these projects. And um, especially with uh, Nechta, uh, the Telegram channel, it's actually several Telegram channels at this point. Um, there's an actual team that has been managing content and input from ordinary citizens and verifying it and posting it to the Telegram channels. But Yes, he's he's a very interesting and very uh, bright representative of this new generation of Belarusian youth who have lived their entire lives under the rule of um, this authoritarian president, Alexander Lukashenko, and um, who have been exposed to various ideas just, you know, through proximity to Europe and um, because we live in a globalized world, the internet, and they really want something better for their country and for their own future. So he's kind of this very interesting um, example of, of the youth. And what sort of role did he play in the protests uh, in the late summer? And I, I should point listeners to an episode I did during uh, the protests at the time. What was his role during that, that sort of chaotic moment uh, over the summer? So what we know is that uh, Roman was part of the team behind the Nechta channel that really kind of coordinated citizens' um, desire to be together at the time of the protests and and really shine light on the brutality um, of the Lukashenko regime as it was dispersing the protests um, and, um, you know, the variety of violent acts that were being committed during the time, um, especially in the summer. Um, and so um, there have been a number of media pieces, actually, that um, have talked about Nechta and have had interviews with the team, including Rahman, um, about their work um, during that time. And so I, I actually encourage uh, your listeners to to check those out. So what do we know about what happened on May 23rd? So what we know, and uh, the events were developing very quickly, and there was a frenzy of social media activity um, on Sunday, uh, is that there was a Ryanair flight that was en route from um, Athens to Vilnius. So from Greece to Lithuania, and that it was uh, forced uh, to make an emergency landing in Minsk, um, literally minutes before it would have reached the airport uh, in Vilnius. And as the uh, as the events were unfolding, we were getting kind of bits and pieces um, of information, and um, it started kind of. Um, looking like um, there was a concerted um, action on behalf of the Belarusian uh, government uh, to deploy actually a a military airplane um, to force the civilian um, 
flight to land in Minsk. And so there is a little bit of unclarity of what happened first and who who gave what um, orders. Um, but it it sounds like um, the uh, the air traffic control in Minsk um, warned the crew on the airplane that there was supposedly a bomb threat. And um, after some time, presumably because the the crew um, wasn't turning around or wasn't doing anything uh, to land, it, it appears that the the military jet was deployed to actually uh, force them to land. And I should say, uh, it has subsequently come to light uh, that this supposed bomb threat was manufactured at least 24 Mm -hmm. minutes after the plane had already been ordered to land. Uh, So this is clearly like a, a BS kind of excuse in order to justify their operation, which captured Roman and his, uh, his girlfriend, his traveling companion, who's a Russian national. And it's my understanding that, you know, all the passengers except those two and a few uh, presumably uh, Belarusian security personnel and secret service agents or whatnot, KGB Mm -hmm. agents, everyone else left Minsk, uh, but those that crew stayed. Right. There was an interesting episode as well with this bomb threat because uh, um, originally, uh, uh, Belarusian officials pinned it on Hamas, and the, yeah. actually Hamas spokesperson came out and said that this is not yeah. us, and and this is archaic of of the Belarusian authorities to be manipulating our name like that. So it's very curious. Yeah. Um, so in the days since, we've seen these videos from Roman and his girlfriend, Sofia Sapega, a, a Russian national, mm-hmm. uh, supposedly their confession videos. Can you just you know, describe what these videos were and, and what mm-hmm. these two individuals said? So first there was a video released of Roman himself, uh, where he is kind of reciting, um, uh, and a number of things essentially saying that he's being treated fairly and that he's cooperating with the investigation and that he's um, giving testimony, like corroborating testimony. Um, It wasn't clear for what offenses the testimony was. um, And there was a number of comments from people who know Raman that he didn't look authentic, um, like energy level and then just his disposition was different. Um, So there, there are, very um, good reasons to believe that um, this was done under pressure. And there, I've also seen reports, I believe it was from like a friend or his mother who said he's wearing a lot of makeup clearly to uh, cover up bruises. Yeah. It's actually kind of observable on the video. And there were a number of like, um, of course on social media, folks um, do enlargement and then start speculating what this is. And, and definitely something is um, amiss in his appearance. And that video, at least to me, hearkened back to August when mm-hmm. the political opposition leader was lured into some government office, essentially kidnapped and forced out mm-hmm. of the country. Yes, absolutely. And it was uh, Svetlana Tsikhanovskaya who is the um, the exiled uh, presidential contestant who who presumably was the uh, the candidate who got the most votes during the elections. Um, and as we found out, she was uh, f- 
forced to give that um, recorded um, message, um, uh, and which was done, I believe, in the offices of the Central Election Commission um, chairperson. Yeah, I mean, basically, this is like mm-hmm. like Lukashenko's playbook. Yeah, I mean, this is common. This is also um, this is also common in other uh, places around Eurasia. Uh, we actually see a lot of kind of these forced confessions and um, apologies uh, becoming routine, you know, in uh, Chechnya and in Gushetia and Russia and actually across Russia. Um, and it's it, it's a very disturbing trend. Uh, so what has been the response so far by the European Union and the United States to this really like audacious intelligence operation uh, to force down a civilian airliner and capture mm-hmm. a dissident journalist? Right. Um, well, the, re- the response was, of course, outrage. Um, and, you know, there is this um, in in the foreign policy field, um, there is kind of this contradiction that um, there's a lot of concern being expressed and a lot of condemnation being expressed. But citizens of countries um, and activists um, in countries that are being affected, um, they kind of grow wary of these just very verbal expressions with no action that follows um, after that. And so the EU considered fourth and uh, fourth package of sanctions. There has been a lot of conversation about additional um, targeted sanctions, including on individuals who are implicated in this operation. Now, um, there have been very strong calls for the um, International Civilian Aviation Organization to conduct an investigation in, into what happened and then the exact circumstances of the incident. Um, And then on the United States side, several lawmakers, um, of course, condemned the event. But we also know that um, President Joe Biden actually uh, issued a statement. This is the first statement out of the president's office on Belarus and this administration. And um, Jake Sullivan um, of the National Security Council actually had a call with Svetlana Tsikhanovskaya. Mm, the um, opposition right leader. Yes. Interesting. So, you know, it seems that, you know, there's been like your conventional condemnations and expressions of outrage. Mm-hmm. Also, right. you know, the, the banning of flights uh, from the national airline mm-hmm. of Belarus and a you know, determination that uh, European civilian airliners should not cross uh, airspace over mm-hmm. Belarus, um, you know, it seemed just like sort of like a a blanket or an attempt to ban flights is mm-hmm. the most sort of ha- has been the the most um, obvious and first mm-hmm. way that that governments have tried to impose a measure of sanction on Belarus. But are you know you said that there are Europeans are considering a fourth round of sanctions. What like might that entail, and how likely? are those sanctions to to come to being? Well, there are a number of um, uh, calls to actually expand, the broaden the list, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, both in Europe and in the U.S. And U.S. is kind of 
more conservative in this regard in terms of targeted sanctions. The European Union has many more people on the list already in Belarus among the official government officials and kind of supporters of the Lukashenko regime. Um, than the United States. But um, I have seen calls to actually significantly expand the list to like not make it be in, in the dozens, but actually make it in the hundreds to really hit the Lukashenko apparatus and, um, and his cronies. Um, there are also renewed calls to actually impose sectoral sanctions and specifically target the petrochemical industry. Um, in Belarus, um, as you may know, um, Belarus is the leading producer of potash in the world. Um, this is a fertilizer, right? It's a fertilizer. Well, it's used for a number of various like chemical processes, but potash fertilizer um, is the primary application, as well as other like um, nitrogen fertilizers and things like that. Um, and um, Belarus Kali, which is a potash producing company in Belarus, is uh, one of the largest, if not the largest, state-owned enterprises. And right now it's not under sanctions. And um, we know, for example, um, when the uh, United States um, OFAC sanctions were imposed on- it's the Office of Foreign Asset Control. OFAC. Correct. You can't um, stump me with, uh, with the- <laughs> I've been doing this for too long. <laughs> so when they were imposed like about 10, 10 11 years ago, on um, Belneftihim, which is a petrochemical conglomerate um, that is it's like an umbrella uh, company for, for a number of state-owned enterprises in this industry. Um, after those sanctions were imposed, Belneftihim actually um, exited that conglomerate. And, um, and it's, uh, it, it, it's pretty obvious that it was done in order to avoid the sanctions. So to what extent are European policy options in terms of imposing sectoral sanctions, which would be a major escalation, Mm -hmm. uh, to what extent are those policy options hamstrung by the Mm -hmm. fact that much of the natural gas that flows from Russia to Europe passes Mm -hmm. through Belarus? Right. So there are both arguments pro and con, and one of them is very much energy uh, dependency related. And um, another argument is actually um, focusing on the fact that a lot of Belarusian citizens are actually employed in these industries. And so if you sanction those industries, Mm. uh, you might be hitting Belarusian citizens hard. Um, but there has been a growing kind of consensus on the other side that um, there is uh, so much disdain among Belarusian citizens um, who are employed in the in the state-owned sector um, that that sanctions are actually necessary and that um, Belarusian residents would actually welcome them. Um, in terms of oil. The the oil sector, the way the way I understand it, um, actually focuses on refining oil that comes from Russia. And so for many, many years, Belarus has been um, hostage to um, very lucrative um, oil prices, um, essentially um, much lower than other um, available market prices um, for the Belarusian oil companies to purchase the oil, refine it, and then export it. And a couple of years ago in 2019, when the 
conversations when the uh, the negotiations for the um, Russian Belarus Russia Belarus um, Union State were uh, reaching um, kind of um, a milestone. They were uh, reaching a deadline on, on um, agreeing on certain roadmaps. Um, we actually saw that uh, Russia used oil prices and oil supplies as um, a uh, an important uh, piece of those negotiations. And, and including- yeah, sorry, go ahead. In, including like removing removing those like very very lucrative oil prices to the to the point that um, Belarus started um, exploring possibility of importing oil from Azerbaijan and Kazakhstan. Mm. So you uh, just referred to this potential kind of union of mm-hmm. Belarus and Russia that mm-hmm. Vladimir Putin very much wants to see happen, but Lukashenko is rather lukewarm towards, and I think it speaks to the broader kind of frenemy relationship that the two men have. Uh, although it seems, you know, as a... Let, here, let me, let, me, let me rephrase that. Um, to what extent uh, does this incident impact their relationship. I mean, we're speaking, I believe, ahead uh, of a meeting that the two men will have in Sochi in uh, the coming days. What? Mm-hmm. How do you expect this incident to impact Russian-Belarus relations? I don't think it will. In fact, there, there is a decent chance that um, Russian special services may have had some role in this either as advisors or otherwise, but um, it is clearly, um, it it is clear that the, uh, that that the Russian government knew of this operation ahead of time. And very, very early on um, after the incident on Sunday, one of the state Duma deputies actually blurted out that this was an excellently executed uh, special operation by Belarusian security services. So um, the the relationship between Putin and Lukashenko with regard to the Union State um, it's an interesting one. Over the last year, um, so after the negotiations recommenced uh, um, about the Union State in late 2019, we have seen several meetings between the two of them, and the way these meetings are publicly presented um, give us an impression that Lukashenko is constantly being put into a subordinate state. So the photo ops, like the official photographs that are being released, portray him as, you know, very obediently taking notes in a notebook as Putin Mm -hmm. just sits right next to him, you know, spread on the uh, armchair and and it's things like that. And there there have been a number of these very wow. obviously staged photo ops that um, that kind of um, very bluntly show Lukashenko his place. So I think Lukashenko is between uh, uh, two very hard spots right now. And um, and as he is being cornered, he is um, he is going further and further into this abyss. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he's just becoming more and more reliant on Russia, which makes him more and more dependent on their largesse, which 
presumably makes his position weaker when it comes mm-hmm. to this kind of negotiations over over creating this union. Right. Um, you know, in the coming weeks, is there anything that you'll be looking towards that will suggest to you how this situation will will unfold or play out? Well, it is definitely going to be interesting to see an independent investigation by the um, Civilian Aviation Organization. Um, and, and I'm curious to see how it will play out um, because um, this is such a rare incident. There have been others um, over the years, but it's just so bluntly out of the ordinary uh, that a lot of decision makers are kind of at a loss you know, um, Lukashenko is clearly violating kind of the rules of the game and trying to institute his own rules. Um, it will be a very interesting to see what the reaction of the U.S. government is going to be in terms of sanction uh, packages, as well as the EU. Um, and um, very curiously, um, I wonder if uh, if there are going to be any other consequences, for example, with uh, Belarus membership in the Interpol, hmm. um, because now that Belarus is very clearly showing bad faith um, in uh, uh, in in the seeking um, uh, criminals, as it yeah. uh, as Belarus, current Belarusian government um, deems them. Um, how can it continue to be a member of the Interpol? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So potentially their membership of, say, the International Civil Aviation Organization and the International Criminal Police Organization, Interpol, are um, are both sort of in jeopardy because of this audacious move. You would, you would want to think so, right? Potentially, yeah. Right, potentially. There are a uh, lot of questions in the air of how people, like, of how people will react to decision makers and and leaders of all these international bodies will react to members who are very bluntly acting outside of the state of rules. Uh, Well, Sophia, thank you so much for your time. This was very helpful. Awesome. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Sophia. That was interesting and obviously very timely. And I'll be sure to follow uh, events as they unfold in Belarus. And stay tuned next week for a very special announcement from the podcast. I do not want to spoil the news, but the next episode you will hear is going to be very special. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye.